so, um, it's so T, next week, what we're doing next Sunday is, is we're going to lay out, here we're going to dedicate the service to life groups, and you're going to find out a lot more about what groups are available. So if you come next Sunday, you'll, you'll, you'll see a couple of videos. We've got life group leaders giving a little bit of a synopsis on each one of what their groups are. We've got a lot of options available. And, and so I don't want to spend too much time because that's what the whole service is dedicated to next week. Um, and I'm telling you, like T said, there's something for you. But, but church, do you know that we're here? Jesus didn't say go into all the world and make church sitters for one, one Sunday. He didn't say, hey, go into all the world and make sure people spend an hour in church each week. He said, go and make disciples. And discipleship happens in relationship. It happens in relationship. And, and that's, part of, that's part of what a church is about. And, and so life groups are a part of what we believe God has called us to because it's in the context of small groups and getting to know one another and being vulnerable with one another and learning from one another, etc. That that a lot of discipleship, in fact, most of discipleship happens within life groups. So it's a big deal. We'll, so thank you, T. T's heading that up, and it's going to be awesome. Um, uh, Corin is in children's church. She loves, she loves ministering to kids. Do you know that Corin was a children's minister for a long time? And I met her when she was uh, doing children's evangelism in Africa. And so I like that. I like, I like that a girl that was doing missions and evangelism in Africa. And so, and um, no, she's just passionate about Jesus and, and, and she loves kids. So at least one Sunday a month, she, she loves to still, still be connected with the kids and, and plug into there. So that's where she is this morning. Um, but um, I, I, we are doing this month of January. January is a five-Sunday month. There's five Sundays this, this month, and we're, we're kicking this off like a T. I love T's illustration. He was an athlete, and, and I was a swimmer, but he was a, he was a track runner. So uh, I like that. It is kicking off. You know, the way you start is, has got a lot to do with how you finish often. Not always, but it can, it can really give you a boost. And, and we're talking about kingdom building in the month of January. Kingdom building. Um, Jesus had a lot to say about the kingdom. Uh, and, and one of the things that I just want to, one of the sacred cows I want to just shoot right out the gate. Is that okay? I just, you know me and sacred cows, you know. I wanna, we, wanna, we just want to blow a few sacred cows out of the water. One of the things, some, some people have said, you may have heard it say, said that Jesus, you don't really have to listen to Jesus' teaching because Jesus was an Old Testament preacher. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard that, but I've heard that in certain circles. And I was like, no, he wasn't. Jesus may have actually lived before, obviously by his death, burial, um, when he went to the grave, when he ascended on high, that we ushered in the new covenant then, but that doesn't make him a, an old covenant preacher. Jesus never preached the old covenant. He was a preacher and a teacher of the gospel of the kingdom. He called it the gospel of the kingdom. And Jesus taught and preached the gospel of the kingdom. And so the well, most famous scripture I want to start off with, it, which you I'm sure know well, is Matthew 6, verse 31. Um, and I'm reading to verse 34 out of the ESV version, the English Standard. It says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your Father knows that you have need of them all. Now that should be reassuring to you. God who created heaven and earth said he knows you need the stuff. Don't stress about the stuff because your dad knows you need the stuff. 
Okay, so right out the gate, he knows you need this stuff. Now listen, I'm pausing here. We don't know what's happening in the world today. There's a great time of uncertainty. Some people are very, 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 very fearful, and some people are experiencing the results of massive amounts of stress, and this is not a surprise. This, the Bible talks, it says that in the end times, men's hearts will fail them for fear. It's actually prophesied there's things that are going to happen. I don't know what tomorrow holds, neither do you, exactly. There could be a lot of uncertainty, but we do, like the saying says, we do know who holds tomorrow. And knowing him gives us the ability to live and dwell in kingdom principles, right? So, so don't stress about, let's keep our eyes off. Make sure you don't keep your eyes off ABC, NBC, CBS, and whatever else, other news stations, because they do not see the world through the right lenses, right? Only Jesus sees the world as it is. Only he knows how things really work. And our choice is to listen to and play the rules of the kingdom. You know, you know in South Africa, we have cricket and rugby. Those are our two big summer and winter sports. And everything goes quiet because like cricket and rugby, you know, you know, yes, cricket is a game that at a test you can play for three days. And some days you can have a five day test series of cricket. Yes, the game lasts five days and, and uh, it's a great game. And if you got to know the rules of cricket, you would appreciate it. I said on a boy who's back there, he knows. How many else do you know cricket? Do you guys know cricket? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Ethan knows cricket. But you see, games, I tell you what, cricket is nothing like baseball. Yes, it's got a wooden stick or a something, but it's not even looks the same. The rules are rules are very different. So if I walked one with a, my baseball gear onto a cricket field, it would not work. The same goes for rugby and, and football. Man, I did not understand football when I came to this country. Because I, I you mean the ball is oblong, but that's about it. It's not even this, quite the same size, but rugby is very different. And I could not understand it. It was like, what? They just threw the ball forward. That's, that's an illegal thing. You can't throw the ball forward. That's called forward pass. You can't do that in rugby, but you can kick it forward. But, but, it, but the bottom line is that when you don't understand the rules of the game, you're just like, I don't, I don't get this. This game doesn't make sense until you learn the rules of the game. When you know how that game is played, it's like, okay got it now it makes sense because until then it's just crazy it's like what the i don't know what they're doing over here it's weird and 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 it's kind of like that when you when we are when we the bible says that we have been delivered from the dominion of darkness the dominion and we are brought into the kingdom of his dear son we have been delivered but you know what many of us are still playing by the rules of the dominion of darkness and we don't know that there's a whole new playing field called the kingdom of God that we can be benefiting by. We can be playing rules totally different, totally subject. So if we're going, but if we're looking at the ref and we turn on ABC and see what the ref says, or NBC is like, oh my gosh, I guess we all need to be fearful because that guy says we ought to be fearful. You should be terrified. You really should be terrified. No, 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 no. You shouldn't be because the Bible says God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. You see, what God gives, and when God speaks, you see, the Bible isn't just a religious book. It is the word of the Creator. And what He says, His voice and His word, His logos is laced with power. It's laced with grace. Grace is a powerful, enabling factor that works in our and, and when God says something, it comes with it the ability to fulfill it. 
When God says to you, if he commands you to do anything or speaks to you about anything, he impregnated in that word, if you will receive it, comes the ability to fulfill that because it's God's word. God's never going to ask you something that you can't do. But let me tell you, I'm going to put this little provisio in there. He's also not going to say, uh, you, you, it's not going to just happen without you. So many people in this religious world think that if I just sit back and wait, God will do it. Uh-uh. No. It's never going to happen. God has given us. We are his agents in this world. Without us, it doesn't happen. Whether it's taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, whether, whatever it is, God uses us, his children, as his ambassadors here on earth. As he is, so are we in this world. Jesus came to set the example, and we can be like Christians. We can be like little Christians. We are, our job is to be little Christ's Ian's. You see? And, and you, when, when, when we can, we're impregnated. Jesus did everything that he did. Listen, this is going to rock some people's world. Everything Jesus did, he did as 100% man and not as God. Anointed by the Holy Spirit. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Not Jesus, the Son of God. How God anointed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, who went about doing good and healing all. You see, Jesus came in the flesh. He had emptied himself, and we can be and act and do. And so Jesus is our example. We, our job, Jesus, God is not going to do this stuff. And, and I'm telling you, we, that is a major issue. We could camp out right here for a long time because there's so many people that says, you know what, I don't really have to do this stuff. I just need to go into my little corner and pray that God does it. Sorry to say, that doesn't work. You have to be prepared to get up and do something. You have to be able to do His Word. Now, it's, it's, it's us working with Him, us speaking His words, His words in our mouth, etc., etc., so it has to be that part, not God working apart from us. In any case, I don't want to get off on a, on a little bit of a tangent here. But it's very, very important to understand that. Because here, carrying on in, in, in um, Matthew 6, it says, Seek first, um, verse 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All the stuff will become to you if you put the kingdom first. If you put the kingdom first, all these things will be added to you. And then he says, so don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So don't be stressful about what happens on January the 6th or on this day, or because somebody is always going to have another date and another reason why you should be fearful. The world will always give you another date. Like that proverbial carrot, they will always make sure you have something to be terrified for. And if you've got lenses that have decided, I'm going to be fearful, you will be fearful. You see? But, but you know, it seems to me, and I've just said this, I wasn't intending to saying, but it seems to be that there are Christians out there that call themselves by his name that feel like they don't have to quite make Jesus Lord of their life. They can give him a part of their life, you know, you know, like the proverbial slice of a pie, you know, between 12 and 1 or between 9 and 12, or maybe they'll give him a whole half a pie between 6 and 12. But God doesn't work that way. 
He says, seek ye first. When you declare Jesus and you accept Jesus as your Lord, you give him your everything. You give him the core of you. Your life becomes forfeit. You give everything you are to Jesus and you call him Lord. You make him. He's not a slice of your pie. <laughs> he is the pie and and he's the, you, so he's the core you your life ought our lives ought to revolve around him and around the way he sees things and if you don't because you see if you if you don't put, make him the center then you try and play the rules from different games am i playing kingdom rules or am i playing world rules and it gets very confusing to you because it, you, you've got to, you commit to saying, listen, I am a child of the kingdom. I am going to seek first, first, the kingdom and his righteousness, right? That is what it's about. So making Jesus the core is, is a, an absolute key. As, so, so as we set the pace for this month, knowing that Jesus is our center, this things, I know it's, it's, it sounds super simplistic, but seeking him first We'll iron out a lot of stuff. Things will make a lot of sense. But if you want to live in confusion and fear and I don't know about this and I don't know about that and I maybe about this, then, then just try giving Jesus a piece of your life and then try and play that game. Is this the piece that I do with Jesus or not the piece that I do with Jesus? I forget right now, right? And, and so it just makes things a lot simpler when you know that the calling is not anything but that. Amen. So, um, but something about this, this idea that Jesus was part of, you know, didn't speak the kingdom. I just want to r rattle off a few scriptures here. But G in Luke chapter 4, verse 43, Jesus says this. He says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. Jesus said, I was sent for this purpose to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. That was the purpose. And, and like I said, some people say, oh, well, you don't really have to listen to Jesus because Jesus, Jesus' teaching, that is, that is just Old Testament teaching. No, no, it wasn't. It was the good news of the kingdom. In 8, the same chapter, Luke, oh, sorry, same book, Luke chapter 8, verse 1, he went on through the cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. Chapter 9, verse 1, and he called the twelve together and gave them the power and authority, gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Hallelujah. Now you'll see those two are often uh, connected. And in, in, verse, in verse 2, yeah, he says, and to send them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Those two, often you see them preach the kingdom and heal. Preach the kingdom, heal. Preach the kingdom, heal. You see, it's exciting, but if we want to see more healing in the church, we have to live more by those rules. And I say not to earn, but we've got to play on the right playing field. When we, when we are playing in the kingdom rule, we can live. Disease shouldn't be part of our lives. We've come to accept disease. And this is not a slight on anybody who's suffering some. Let me just tell you that straight out. We, when we are suffering, but that's not what God's called us to do. That is absolutely not scriptural. We are not called to suffer disease and sickness in any shape, form, or fashion. In Luke 17, 20, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is. Therefore, behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. 
So you've heard me teach on this recently. I don't want to go into this. But Jesus said they were waiting for an external kingdom. And Jesus said, nope, it's right inside. It's entos. The Greek word is inside entos. The kingdom of God. Don't be looking for something out there. You know, and even modern day Christians do that. Oh, well, you know, I heard that in Azusa Street, people were seeing fire in the clouds and over. It's like, so what? Big deal if you saw fire in the clouds. That's not going to wake you up to a better marriage. I saw fire in the clouds. Woo, whoop de doo You know, it's got nothing. nothing it's, you, you see, we can get, but I can tell you, Jesus had a lot of people following because he did signs and wonders, but they were also the people that left him like that. You see, because this is, he called people into a personal relationship, an entos relationship, a kingdom that was entos, not extos, whatever the word is, I don't know, <laughs> just made it up, you know, so, but it's inside, it's not out there, we don't, you know, well, well we get, you know what I'm getting, so, so the kingdom of God is something that we experience internally, and it is not, and I, I didn't have this, this scripture up, but you know the scripture, the, right, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy. That's a state of being. Righteousness, we know because we teach that all the time. God loves us and he's given us his righteousness. Peace, we've spoken about peace recently, you know. And joy, those are internal experiences that aren't dependent on circumstances. They aren't dependent on the storms. But it's not about eating and drinking because guess what religion does? Is this right or is that wrong? Can we eat this or can't we eat this? Do you eat bacon or don't you eat bacon? Do you do this? Do you do that? Do you, do you do these holidays or don't you do these holidays? And Colossians teaches us, whoa, dude, forget about those were signs. and Those were just pointers. Stop making it about whether this is right or this is wrong. There is sin, and I'm going to just have to say that as a provisio in case somebody misunderstands me. Of course there's sin, and we shouldn't be living in it. If you want, if you want to eat dirt and have a miserable life, just sin. You will get the results of it in full measure, and it will be miserable. You think that you can get away with it? Try it for a while. It'll drag you through the mud, may destroy your life, destroy a bunch of people around you. If that's what you like doing, then go ahead. Eat your full. But Jesus said, don't do it. Ain't smart. Now, I'm not telling you to go and sin, just in case you thought I was being sarcastic. Okay. You know, just like, okay. But it's not smart. But the kingdom of God. So John 3, Jesus says, and, and I love this we, when we did this video um, about with Nicodemus, truly, truly, John 3 verse 3, truly, yeah, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, he's not talking about your visual eyes. He's not talking about one day in the suite. He's talking about this. Without being born again, you won't even be able to perceive it. It won't sound like... Because you're not even born again. You see, born again just basically gets you a ticket to the game. That's all that getting born again does. And I'm, saying, I'm not saying that you won't go to heaven. I'm just saying that if you want to play by the rules and benefit by the rules and play by the kingdom rules that Jesus gave us, the abundant life that he gave us, this, this is how we do it. You have to be born again. That's where it starts. John 18, 36. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting. But I might not be de- uh, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom, he says again, is not from this world. We've already sort of touched on that point, but there Jesus lays it out again. Acts 1 verse 3. Now, this is interesting because now this is post-resurrection. To them he presented himself, talking about Jesus here, 
Acts 1.3, to them he presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Jesus spoke about the kingdom before and he spoke about the kingdom after his resurrection. Acts 8.12, here's Philip goes down to the city of Samaria. It's a great passage. I love it. But when he, they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the, the name of Jesus. They were baptized, both men and women. So Paul, Philip was following the model. Just what Jesus said, go and preach the good news. He told his 12 and his apostles, disciples. Here he says, he goes out and preaches the good news about the kingdom. You see, the, good, the kingdom is good news. So know that, relax, it's good news, and it's fun to take good news to people. It is. It is. It's fun to take good news to them. And when we know God's unconditional love and the, mess, the message of the cross that we speak about so much and so powerfully about you know, all this beautiful thing, it's easy to tell somebody God loves you and he's paid the price for your sin. Right? I mean, so good news of the kingdom is powerful, but... This is what Philip um, spoke about. So the good news of the kingdom creates this, 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 this righteousness, right? And, and the famous uh, uh, scripture, which we, we absolutely have to go to, is 2 Corinthians 5, 17, which you, I'm sure you know well. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, that is... Is, has got, is both deep and beautiful and everything. But here, in Christ, and, and we, we're not going to spend some time, if you go to our website, we've got a whole bunch of scriptures about being in Jesus, in Christ. But there's truth that we are translated, and the good news is about, the, in, in, in this passage up to verse 21, is about the great exchange. And, and that's not the point today. But, but just to spend a little bit of time on this, on this scripture here. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, in Christ... We are in Christ, right? Maybe I just have to give a little bit more context. Just I feel like. Okay, so in, in verse, um, where can I start without going into you? Yeah, okay, let me just verse, read verse 18. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 19, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the ministry of reconciliation. In Christ, God is not counting their trespasses against them. Amen. Right? And he entrusts to us the message of reconciliation. And if you've heard me teach on this, reconciliation is the word, Greek word katalaso. It means exchange. He reconciled us. We gave, he gave us, and you see this here very clearly, as he says in verse 20, we are Therefore, we are the ambassadors for Christ, making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled, be exchanged to God. For he, then here you see it so clearly in verse 21. For our sake he made him who, who to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In him, he took us, he became our sin, we become we take on his righteousness in Christ, right? So going back to verse 17 again, therefore if anyone is in Christ, you join in Christ. We are seated with Christ in Christ in heavenly places. That is our position according to Ephesians, right? 
you have been seated in Christ, in heavenly places. Now, I know we don't feel like that, but positionally, that's what we are. We are in Christ. And he says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Now, this passage of scripture, man, I can't tell you how many hours, days, weeks, months I've spent meditating on this because this will radically transform your life. But when, there's a couple of words I wanted to bring out here. One, he says, he talks about the old has passed away. Now that word, that word old is archaeos. It's primary or original. It is the original primary thing has gone. It's not just, hey, do you know that really old lady, that really old guy? That has passed away. No, it's not like this is, oh, he's all 35 or 75 or 105 years old. He's not talking about that. He's saying the original, the original that he was born with, whether he was five years old, six years old, or 10 years old, or 100 years old, has passed away. The original thing has passed away. So that's what he says. The old, original, primary, archaic thing has passed away. And then he says, behold, he's become a new creature, creation. That is an original formation, an original creation. It's a primary, like if a guy built a building, like an architect built a building, it was the same word. It was like, this is his creation. It was brand new. So he says that if any man is in Christ, the old is gone. This new thing has happened. This new thing, right? This new creature, and the word new creature, I mean, is, is unprecedented, novel, uncommon, unheard of. So it's not just a, a new creation, a new thing, but it's brand, brand spanking, unheard of, unique. Okay, so any man or woman, obviously any man in Christ is brand new. Now, I know you've heard that, but at the beginning of this year, it's good to pause and remember Jesus has taken that sin. Now, we did communion just a couple of weeks ago, and if you were in the service, it's a powerful remembrance of what Jesus did for us. But to remember that your slate, so to speak, was wiped clean by Jesus. Your slate was wiped clean. There is nothing we want to carry with us into this next year. Amen. We want, to re- we want to tell ourselves that I'm completely new. I'm completely um, brand new. In fact, if you have not done our D group, Terence and Stacy lead our discipleship group, and they're about to, to kick one off. But if you've never done our discipleship group, I highly encourage you to go through our di- discipleship group, no matter how old a Christian you are. Because one, our discipleship group lays a foundation again of the foundations of the faith. And, 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 he, and Hebrews 5 lays out very clearly, 5 and 6, it goes into a basic foundation of who we are in Christ. And it's got a little bit of who Lake Haven is built into it. This is, this is what we stand on. This is, what we, this is the perspective. I can't teach that perspective every Sunday. So if, you know, I, I, I highly encourage you, if you've decided to make Lake Haven your home, please join us for, um, join St- Terence and Stacy for discipleship group, for a D group. Now, it's not just basics. It's just fresh. It's, it's real and it's, and it's powerful, I believe. So, um, but, but it says that in, in, that, in that foundations, it says, it says that um, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need somebody again to teach you the basic oracles of God. He was teaching, he's saying to the Hebrews, listen guys, 
I remember Walkershire used to say, by now, some translations say, by now you ought to be teachers, but you still need somebody to teach you the foundations. By now, and, and, and it is essential because we really can't, we can't learn the rules of this kingdom game without the critical factors, without the basic foundations of who we are. And you, you don't even, it's, it's basically like, hey guys, okay, this is the playing field, and it starts laying the basics out for you. So that's really what it is. And he talks about that, that, that it talks about the word of righteousness, understanding who we are in Christ, etc. And then um, Hebrews 12 says this, uh, and I'm just going to touch on verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which, so closely, uh, which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, this, ter- this, this visual of running like Terence used is used multiple times in the New Testament. He uses it about running a race, about finishing your race. There's a, there's a lot about this race. And this is a, I, I love this whole, the, and, and I'll teach on it sometime, but the whole chapter 12 is fantastic. Because it's just, it paints this picture that there is a crowd, there is a cloud of witnesses right now watching us. If you've never been the center of attention, you are right now. Know that even some of those people that you know have gone on before us or in the Lord, they are watching us right now from the grandstands. They are the one cheering you on. If you feel like you've got no one in your corner right now and you say, but you don't understand, I'm all alone. Ah, ah. Jesus said he'll never leave you beside you. Never mind. You have literally got Abraham and Moses and David and Joseph and your granny or your aunt or your mom or your dad, whoever it is, they are cheering you on and saying, go for it. You can do it. You can do it. Go for it. They are literally watching you. That's what the scripture says. And it's just, remember chapter and verse, chapter and verse was never there until about five or 600 years ago. Chapter and verse, he's just got through Hebrews 11, which is talking about the heroes of faith. All those fantastic heroes of faith, naming them for what, everything they did. And then it says, so therefore it starts off, starts off with the word therefore. And like anybody tells you, if you see the word therefore, find out what it's there for. You know, so, so therefore, so but he's talking about these guys, these heroes of faith are in the grandstands cheering you on you you but i'm just nobody no you are somebody but you need to realize that you're somebody you need to acknowledge that i'm somebody and he says he says so we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witness then he says so lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily untangles and he separates those by the way you know that you can try and run a race with a big concrete block or a sandbag on your bag, on your tie to your leg, and you can say, but it's not sin. Oh, good. I hope you're enjoying your race there, bud. You know. He's, no, he says, lay aside the things that cling to you, the things that weigh you back, that pull you back. Why? So that you can run. You can run your race. He says he's not talking about, and he says, yes, sin does the same stuff. 
Sin, sin also holds you back and clings to you and sticks to you and weighs you back. And we've got grace has given us power over sin. And that's a whole other message series we can do. It. But grace empowers you to live free from sin, freely and lightly, and so that you can really get going. But, but this stuff is like, lay it aside, dude. You don't want to run. It's tiring. Have you ever felt tired? This life. But we cling to these. But you don't understand. I really like my sandbag. Okay. Now, I don't know. I've been in the army. I've been in places and I've done a lot of work in Africa. And I can tell you what, carrying a sandbag around, it ain't fun. When you've got to do obstacle courses with sandbags and flip tire, tractor tires and things like that, it's like you, they, they make it hard for you when, you when you're in the military. But it's like, no, you don't want to carry beams and boards and sandbags. And it's like, dude, you just want to drop that thing and go, right? get through it so he says because you know we are being witness he reminds us these guys are watching us so let's let's drop it right let's drop the stuff and identify it and i'm telling you god has and you know what it is god identifies stuff nobody needs to tell you he, he tells you he tells you holy spirit works with you he's your helper the helper says dude that's not good for you but but so and so does it it's like listen i'm not talking to so and so it might be fine for so-and-so, but for you, for you, it's a, you're, you're being sandbagged, dude. You know, Jesus is telling you, you're getting sandbagged by the thing. And it's like, you see, if you trust Jesus and you trust him to lead you and he loves, he loves you and leads you, he wants you to have an awesome, awesome life. And, and I'm telling you very critically, I'm persuaded more than ever, and I know this, I know this by the Spirit of God, and I know you know this by the Spirit of God, that in this time that we're facing, we need to be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And we need to be able to listen to our Lord, our Savior, our Holy Spirit, how He leads us in our specific situation for your specific job, for your specific children, for your specific situation. You have a unique life to live with unique things. And so do I. I don't have the same life as you do. No, not everybody's going to understand. But Jesus does understand specifically. And his Holy Spirit is your and my helper. And we've got to associate, we've got to cling to him as our helper. And, and, and I may have mentioned this already, but we're doing a conference on the Holy Spirit in April here. We haven't done a conference for years. And we're going to have a Holy Spirit conference because the Lord is, has released us to do it. And I'm excited about it because it's going to be powerful. We're going to start on a Wednesday night. We're going to run it Thursday and Friday. And, and it's going to be powerful. We're going to do morning session and evening sessions. And it's going to be specifically about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He has been sidelined way, 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 way too much. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. I need it more. And this is a journey. If you think, oh, well, you know, Brother Shannon, I don't, I don't really need to come because in 1954 I was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why I thought, great. You know, I'm not talking about that. Be being filled. Be continually filled. Overflow from your heart. There is more that we can live in. He is supposed to be our helper. He's designed to be our helper. Now, we have a devotional online, and I keep pushing this, but the devotional of the Holy Spirit online is powerful. We've got 33 pieces to it, and, and it's a great study. You can download it for free. It's all PDFs in, in different PDF forms, but study each one of those and prayerfully go through each one of them. I gave an introduction over there because each one of those teaches about the, the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, we cannot do it without Him. 
I've said this before not long ago. Jesus said, I can do nothing on my own. Jesus said it. If Jesus said, I can do nothing on my own, do I need to even finish the sentence? No. Jesus couldn't do nothing. We need, we need him. We need him. So um, anyhow, so moving right, right along. As we move into this, uh, to this, this passage of scripture, it's, it's, I, I know probably many pastors do, but I, th- I don't think there's a better scripture for the new year than Philippians 3. Um, and he says, Philippi- from Reach 12, he says, Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, which is powerful. Paul, this is nearing the end of his ministry. He says, Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, this chapter is super powerful because even there he's talking about faith righteousness and you know, kicking to the curb, you know, works righteousness and etc. etc. But he says over here, he says, listen guys, there's a goal. And he says, it, I do not consider my own, but he says, forgetting what lies behind and straining towards what lies behind. Now that there's three three Greek words over here I want to pull out. The word forgetting is a Greek word, epilanthano, compound of epi and lanthano. And so the word Epi, in this context, denotes a turning, turning from one thing to focus on something else. Epi, just the word, part of that word, epilanthano, means a turning from one thing to something else, to focus on something else. And then lanthano is a root word that describes it's finished, done with, or obsolete, or obsolete. So it portrays the idea of something that you should turn away from and forget. So that's why it's translated as the word forgetting, because it's turn away from and forget. So it's put aside, deliberately ignore it, purposely disregard it. So Rick Renner, who I, most of those devotional, I like Rick because he's one of my, though he lives in Moscow, um, he is he's a great Greek scholar, and he, he rewords this in his words, and he says, stop thinking about it, put it out of your mind, put it behind you, wipe it out, Erase it from your memory. Get it out of your system. Quit paying attention to it. Get your eyes off it. Be oblivious to it and forget about it. You get that. (laughs) That's what's in that word forgetting. Just that word forgetting. Epilanthano. And then he says this. He says we must forget those things which are behind. Now that word behind is a Greek word called opisu, opisu. And it describes something so obsolete that it should be permanently relegated to the back or the past. It should be abandoned or left behind. It is behind. In fact, it's the same word where, where, where uh, when Peter says to Jesus, um, hey, I don't think you should go to Jerusalem. They're gonna, and, and Jesus turns to Peter, well-meaning Peter, and he says, get the behind me, Satan. He says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Now, listen, just as a side note, well-meaning brothers and sisters can be the voice of the devil. Mm-hmm. 
Jesus, and how does Jesus deal with Peter? He uses his words, right? He says, get behind me, Satan. But that word, that word apiso is behind. It's that same, that word. He says, so forgetting what is behind, he says. And then he says to stretch forward. That word is, um, um, is uh, where is that? Um, just from the play. And straining forward to what lies ahead. And, and I never pulled it, uh, pulled it up uh, this morning, but um, with that word straining towards what ahead is, again, a racing kind of imagery. It's, it's, I think it's epi ek and some other word. I forget exactly what it was. But it, it's, like, it's like a runner who is reaching, reaching for the finish line. He is like pushing himself forward for the finish, finish line. That is what it's reaching out to do. So forgetting what is behind, what is behind, turning aside, putting it out of your mind. It's got nothing to do with it. Heading, putting up, and, and reaching like a runner. Now, do you think, I mean, T could tell me because he's a runner, but I remember in third grade athletics, because that's about all I did, you know, it's about, you know, it's like when you're going to look, be, you, they told you you don't spend time looking behind you. You focus like a heat-seeking missile, right? You just focus on your track. You stretch forward. That's, that's the kind of focus that, we, that, that you want, right? Okay, so leave it behind. Don't ever re revisit it. So using bold authority, speak. Speak. Use your mouth. Use your mouth. You know, because it's like, oh, okay, I know that now. Yes, but you've got to open your mouth. Use your vocal cords. Use your tongue and say, put the word in your mouth and declare. No, because... These things that cling to you are going to want to stick to you and hold you back. Don't let them. Don't let them. Speak to those things. Declare and say, no, I resist you. Even if it's a good thing. Even if it's a, not a sin thing. If you want deliverance, if you want to be set free from something, if you just want to run your race without a sandbag, use your voice. Use your words. Declare who you are in Christ. And, and obviously, you know, I... You can study that in depth, but um, unfortunately, we don't have time here. I'm racing to just finish off with this area. You know, in Hebrews um, 4, verse 16, and, and I, I do want to spend just a couple minutes as we close on this powerful scripture. This is, I love this scripture. In, in Hebrews 4, verse 16, it says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Now, that is a loaded scripture. Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Now, that word, if you study in different translation, the word that they translate as confidence there is the word parousia. And it was used, Greeks were a big deal about speaking out in public. In fact, if you study any Greek speeches and Demosthenes and all these guys that put rocks in his mouth so he could be a, a better orator and all of these, the, the most famous orator, the Greeks were big about being able to talk and be able to argue and be able to give themselves. But the word parousia was about being unashamed, unabashedly confident inside of a public speaking space to coming forward. And so he uses this word confidence. He's talking about coming up to the throne of grace. 
It's, like, it's not coming, oh, um, I don't know if God's going to clout me. He says, no, 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 no. Boldly, says in one other translation, boldly approach. Boldly approach. With confidence draw near. To what? The throne of grace. Isn't you, aren't you glad that the, the throne is a throne of grace? It's a throne of grace. It's a throne of grace. And, and, and again, grace is that super powerful word that we, but, but basically it's the ability and, and influence on the heart that makes one able. That's, you know, it, it, yes, it is free, but it's not just free. It's an ability that gives us the ability to do what we're supposed to do. That's why grace gives us the power over sin. That's why grace, it's, we can study grace and great book that we can, you know, give you over here on grace. But it, but it's the, the, the grace is the throne, the throne of grace. So it says, boldly approach the throne of grace that we may receive. Now, that word receive again is lambano. It's an active Greek word about going ahead and taking. It's about, the, and, and sometimes it's like pushing in and, and it, it's, it's not always used the same way, but it's an active word. Any Greek scholar that I've read says, lambano is to go and actively take hold of it. Or, yes, there, there is some, some places it's used sort of like, well, I'm, but I, I'm, I'm willing, I'm really, I'm going ready, expecting to receive something. So it's not just about, oh, well, you know, God will give it to me if he feels like it. No, it's going to go and lay hold of it, to take hold of it. Do you get it? That's lambano. So that's what the word receive. And then he says, may receive mercy and find grace. Now, those words in a lot of people's minds are confused. Grace is not mercy. They are not the same thing. Mercy is God treating you better than you deserve. Grace is God giving you what you don't deserve. <laughs> we don't deserve what God has given us, but He has given us grace and ability to get that. Mercy is God. No, so, but you know what? Listen, we all screw up. We mess up. We make mistakes. There is a point. We're not trying to justify that because it's just going to sandbag us. Nobody wants to be sandbagged. We want to run our race. We want to get on with this year. We want to go with strength. We want to do what Jesus wants you to do. You know, we sang that song, Make Me a Vessel, this morning. You know that you, you choose what sort of vessel you want to be. Do you realize that? You can't just sit back and say, well, I guess God can use me if he wants to. No, 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 no. You get to choose. If you want to be a vessel for noble use, the Bible says that you can choose. But there is, a, there is a pathway, which I can't, don't have time to go. There is a pathway for you to choose to be a vessel of noble use, if you want to be a noble use vessel, or you don't have to. But if you desire to be a vessel, if you want to be used as a noble vessel, you get to choose. And there is a, that's, again, for, for, for another time. But he says here, we may lambano, we may lay hold of, of God's grace, of God's mercy, um, where God will treat you, will treat you better than you deserve. There is, no, there is no question that he will treat you better than, he has already removed your sin as far as the east is from the west. He, he has got no recollection of your sin. Do you realize that? It's, I mean, because if you've processed the exchange and you've processed the cross and if you've processed communion, you realize that God has got nothing to judge you for. It says he doesn't even put it in your mind. His mind. If you said, oh God, I'm really sorry. He's going to say, sorry about what? 
He does not know because Jesus has paid the price for your sin. Why do we confess our sins? 1 John 1, 9. Why do we do that? It's the only scripture that talks about confession of sin, by the way. One scripture in the New Testament. And that's only, that's for your sake. Where you acknowledge, where you say the same thing as, and you acknowledge like, Lord, I, I, I know that I, I, I don't, I don't want to live with, I don't want to be sandbagged by this thing. I understand that sin or this thing can, can, can hurt me, you know. So, um, but then he says, um, so it's, where's that scripture again? That Hebrews 4. So that we can find grace to help in a time of need. And, and the last piece I just wanted to bring out there, grace to help. Grace is not just that, uh, I know Corin, Corin dealt with it last week about grace is, grace is not being gracious. Grace is an empowerment. Grace to help. Grace to help. That is a very active word. We need grace to help. When we come and we acknowledge, I have a need, and God says, this is it, grace to help. So this year, 21, man, it's just a name, on a, it's number on a calendar. And in some calendars, if you're depending, if you're following, the, we follow the Gregorian cal- calendar, but if some people follow Jewish calendars, some people follow other calendars, it may not even be the new year yet in those calendars. It's, it's, so it's not about that. But it, here it is January the 3rd. We're looking at a new year. We follow a Western calendar and this is it. This is what we're, we're looking at. What an opportunity to do these things. What again, to forget what is behind. Forget. Pay no attention to it. You may need to listen to this message a couple of times, but, but forget what is behind and press forward to what lies ahead. Remember that the slate is wiped clean. Because I can tell you what, it makes a difference knowing the slate's clean. I don't know if you've cleaned up your uh, Christmas decorations yet at home. Some, some have and some haven't. But, but Corin and I live kind of busy lives, and sometimes our house looks like it. <laughs> so we're like, oh gosh. And so we, but you to tell you what, when we spend some time cleaning it up and getting it all packed away, it's like, isn't that nice? It feels a lot better when it doesn't feel so cluttered, right? But you know, the truth is that there is nothing between you and the Lord. When there is actually nothing that you have sandbagging you. Every day, you are actually making a decision to pick that sandbag up. Tie it to you. You get out of bed in the morning and you strap that sandbag to your ankle because God hasn't. The devil hasn't. It's your thinking that has. It's what you thinking and believing has. That's why, I mean, I, I, we can't even go to it. That's why Romans talks about reckon yourselves dead to sin. Count yourselves, consider yourselves dead to sin. And that's a whole another teaching. But, but you don't have to strap that sandbag to your ankle. You are free. You are free. You are free. You have nothing on your ankle. You have nothing on your shoulders. Jesus has taken the price. You have been made righteous in Christ. Isn't that good? Communion, that's what we remind ourselves with. You can do that any day. Remind yourself. If you've got to do it every day this week, take with a bit of water and bread, whatever you want to, remind yourself, Jesus has taken my sin. I am made righteous. I mean, that is a good reminder just to to kick the year off with. 
And then remember that you can boldly approach the throne of grace. You need help? You need help? Holy Spirit is here for you. Throne of grace. Grace is there ready to help in a time of need. That's your Father. Amen. We've got a, th- th- this, we, I want to experience more freedom in my life. I want us as Lake Haven to experience more freedom in life. Because the truth is that if T was the only one in the church that freed himself up to run a race and I didn't, or none of us did, Lake Haven wouldn't get anything done. Because we'd all be sandbagged. That's actually true. But if we want to do something and affect our community and we want to affect more and we want to do more and accomplish more with the Lord, it's not works righteousness. It's freeing ourselves up to do what God has called us to do. Does that make, does that make sense? And God, God, I know, has called us to do some stuff here in the community and make a difference in, our, in this region. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are powerfully here right now. And I know that your words have gone out and struck the home and the hearts of people because you are speaking to people. And right now, in a minute, I want you just to sort of open your hearts and hands if you want to and just know there's no eyes looking around and say, Lord, you know what? I feel there's the sandbag in my life. I'm sandbagged here. I've let so many things be more important. I've let my self-image be more important. I've let my weight be more important. I've let so many things push in and steal my peace. I've let them steal my joy. And I choose to lay it aside. I choose. I don't want to pick it up. So I'm going to use my lips and my mouth and I'm going to subject to that yoke no longer subject you aren't subject to a yoke of sin and slavery you are not a slave you are God's son you are God's child he loves you I declare freedom to you speak freedom to you freedom in Jesus name free in your emotions to let go of freedom a baggage that you've carried freedom you have where you have held on to uh, to take try to take responsibility for somebody you cannot i speak freedom to you you cannot take responsibility for somebody of age it's not your responsibility but you've carried them freedom set that down lay that down freedom to do what god has called you to you know what the next step is you know what the next step is in your life freedom in jesus name
Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen.